Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. Well, we continue our series on the prodigal son, or the parable of the lost sons, or the parable of the gracious father, as you will. And today we turn to our third character in this story that Jesus gives us to teach us. We saw in the uh, previous weeks the character of the father and his love, his grace. Uh, We've seen how the prodigal came to a moment of confession and repentance and a return back to his father and, and how he was welcomed back. And so now we turn to this older brother, the older son, in this story again that Jesus gives us from Luke chapter 15. And let me read this particular section uh, before we jump in. This is from Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Well, this older brother has two problems. And the problems are so often shared by those who are members of the body of believers. The first is this. The grace of God made him feel uncomfortable. These Pharisees believed they had a religion of grace. They talked about the grace of God in the Old Testament scriptures. But when they saw real grace in a living form in the ministry of the Lord Jesus, they found themselves profoundly uncomfortable. And actually, to use Jesus's words from the parable, they found themselves angry. Friends, we need to watch ourselves when we are angry. Anger in this sense directed toward giving lavish grace. It's a sinister symptom of of some deep spiritual disability. And you see what it was caused by. It was caused by the older brother seeing everything in terms of what people deserved. He felt he deserved the fattened calf. But it was his prodigal brother who got the fattened calf. He felt that the father had never even given him a goat to celebrate. And when this son comes home, 
Notice he doesn't call him his brother. He says, when this son of yours comes home, he gets everything. This older brother in this image of the parable is such a stunning representative of the individual or the religious individual who doesn't understand how the gospel of Jesus Christ works. He doesn't understand that the father's love for him is not a matter of deserving, but it's a matter of pure mercy. There's a story told of a a mother who sought the pardon of her son from the emperor Napoleon. The emperor said it was his second offense and justice demanded his death. Don't ask for justice, demanded his mother. I plead for mercy. But, said the emperor, he does not deserve mercy. Sir, cried the mother, it would not be mercy if he deserved it, and mercy is all I ask for. Well then, said the emperor, I will have mercy. And her son was saved. But you see, unlike Napoleon, God does not need to be told what mercy is, for that is his character. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. If you had asked these Pharisees if they thought that God was gracious and merciful, they would have said, yes, God is gracious. But what they meant by that was that God was gracious to those who had earned his grace to those who deserved his grace. And so they didn't even begin to understand grace. How do we feel about this? How does the depiction of a gracious father make us feel? What is our reaction to someone who deserves justice instead receiving mercy and grace? It boils down to how comfortable am I with a God who forgives the sins of those who have done absolutely nothing to deserve forgiveness. Because here is the crucial point. The only people's sins God does forgive are those who recognize that there is nothing they can do to merit that forgiveness. How comfortable are we with a God who forgives sin? Because such a God insists on coming so close to us That first he has to unveil and unravel our sins. And this poor older brother, how tragic his situation is. He he sees himself, as it were, as a, a religious master, but he doesn't even understand the first principles of the relationship. That's why he says this very significant thing about the relationship. This is our second point. He says, all these years I have slaved for you. And you never gave me anything. And you see what almost always goes hand in hand with the grace of God making you uncomfortable is the view that the Christian life is seen as burdensome. It's a slavery. It's a burdensome service. All these years I have slaved. I have served you. Not all these years I worked joyfully for you. Not all these years I served you gratefully. But all these years I slaved for you. He sees the service of the Father as a burden and a duty rather than as a delight and a joy and a blessing. Something I carry rather than the grace of the Heavenly Father that carries me. And we see this everywhere in churches. How many people wake up on Sunday morning 
thinking they need to go to church out of tradition or ritual or to please God as if he is some ancient deity that needs to be appeased or kept at bay. So we sacrifice what we would rather do that morning and begrudgingly bring in our offering of our one hour instead of seeing it as a means of grace, that we gather as a body of believers with joy, that we long to hear the name of the Lord praised by brothers and sisters, that we long to be taught from the word, that we long to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, that we long to see believers come to faith being baptized. But instead, those mornings, many people wake up and think, I have to serve God today. I I have to slave for God in whatever duty I have that day. That is not the good news. (laughs) Serving him is not the good news. It is the result of the good news. It tells me that Through Jesus Christ and through the forgiveness of sins, I am accepted by God as I trust in Jesus Christ and enjoy and power of the Holy Spirit. I want to please him. It's so unfortunate that so many people view God through this broken lens of needing to do enough of the right thing. And then maybe, just maybe, God will accept you problem is that so many people in churches are serving this out to other people. And people have this older brother syndrome. And we want people to earn grace. A message which is the very opposite of the gospel. One which says, it's not what I do, it's what you have done. And you see the result, this poor brother who thought that the way to find love and acceptance in the presence of his father was by earning it finds himself in a situation in which he would not, could not go to this celebration. Even though his father said to him, my son, everything I have is yours. Now this in the immediate sense is a picture of the Pharisees themselves and and how they view the, the tax collectors and the sinners that are coming to Jesus. And in the near sense, it's a picture of the Jews who stay in their Judaism, and the Gentiles who will join in as sons and daughters of Abraham in the covenant of grace, where they will be seen as such outsiders compared to the older brother who stayed home, who sees themselves as the only real son. And finally, even today, as many of us have moved ourselves being prodigals, because we know that none of us is righteous, but that we move and find ourselves acting as the older brother, judging and criticizing and refusing grace to those who need it most. We can have such a broken view of God and his justice and his grace. We want grace and justice for others, and we need to hear the gospel over and over again. I heard a interview, podcast interview with uh, my old senior minister in Sydney, Simon Manchester, And he was asked about how do you reach the lost and train the saints all at the same time on a Sunday. And he said, well, let's not forget how prone we are to forget the gospel ourselves. How true that is. So there's a sense of teaching and discipling the faithful, but also reminding them of what we believe week in and week out. And it's the same message that the lost need to hear. 
It's what we have said over and over again these last several episodes, remembering that Paul tells the New Testament church when he described wickedness in the culture, and he he would conclude by saying, and such were some of you, so that they never lose this sense of remembering who they were before and what God has made them now, because we are just as likely to become older brothers in the church if we don't remember who we were and who we are and how we got to be that way because we certainly did not do it by our own efforts. So this story is about two lost sons. One goes out and squanders what the father gives him, comes to an end of himself, seeks repentance, receives grace and mercy, and is brought back into the fold. The other stays home and thinks by being good he is saved. But he cares nothing of the father. He only cares for what the father can give. So he slaves away. And when he witnesses what a true son looks like, he is angry. Jesus never gives a conclusion to the story. What does the older brother do? Does he repent and go into the celebration? Does he become angry with the father and become distant? It doesn't say because the parable is crying out to the Pharisees, just as it cries out in the same way today. Repent, confess, receive the means of grace and enter into the celebration. Otherwise, you remain on the outside with a cold heart. Don't let that be you today. Don't be a lost son or daughter. Don't play church or slave at church thinking it's your being good apart from Christ that will save you. And I can't help but think if this older brother were to repent and confess there would be another celebration. The father would bring out another robe, perhaps symbolic of the robe of righteousness, which is ours in Christ, and put on the family ring, perhaps being symbolic of uh, being sealed by the Holy Spirit and all the rights and privileges that come with being a son and daughter of God. And there would be great joy. And last week we talked about the the prodigal stories that we all know and the the ones that we maybe even have personally, but there are older brother stories too of people who thought they knew and thought they were right and held everyone to this impossible standard only to later be convinced of the gospel. So if that's you, if this is... uh, holding up of a mirror to you and you really feel that conviction, I I ask that you would take some time and, and pray about these things, that you would remember the grace and the mercy that was shown to you, and that you would remember that there is more joy in heaven when one person repents than the 99 righteous ones who need no repentance. So let's think about those things today. Let's remember and rejoice in the grace that our Lord Jesus Christ has given us. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It helps people to find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.